to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to dress to the nines for epic theme parties. Back when that was a thing. Yeah. We're talking about that retail detail or the scene shop situation or the old cameo calling. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are talking to an actress who has lit up the boards of Broadway in the screens of television and film. She starred in so many huge shows and movies, but the first time I saw this powerhouse was when a theater nerd's favorite musical, Rent, made the leap to the big screen and she rocked my favorite number, The Tango Maureen. Now she is a series regular on Apple's Truth Be Told, starring opposite Octavia Spencer, and she's recurring on Fox's 911. But she's worked nonstop, including shows like Love for Netflix, Unreal for Lifetime, Cold Case for CBS, Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof, and the devil wears Prada. I, I I just, I can't, I can't intro anymore. I'm exhausted. There's so much to say. Yeah, yeah. Step aside, Bieber, and let me welcome to the show the colossally talented and immeasurably kind Tracy Toms. That's the best intro I've ever had. Yay! <laughs> you know what what You sound awesome. <laughs> you are awesome. I sound um, super accomplished, you guys. Uh, you, you are. are. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about you at least weekly. Like, so Tracy Toms, how do we get enough money to put a project together that Tracy Toms is on and stars in? Like, this is like a daily in our household. Yeah. Wow. We're working. Wow. On. We're putting it together. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're assembling. We're assembling the team. We've already been sending things out. So yeah, I read one of them, and that one thing I read was amazing. And that's what we didn't put in the intro, but I'm gonna shamelessly plug it now. Tressa is our protagonist in our extended stay pilot, and that is like where she's gonna live. Mm -hmm. We're gonna get that off the ground. We're just gonna get you set up in that hotel for like five years, seasons. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a good run. Hundred episodes. Yeah. That's our plan. We're all drinking. 100 episodes. Syndication, baby. That's all we need. And then we move on to the next project. Because you don't want to You don't want to linger once it's not good. You want to hit that 100 and move on. Hit that 100 and move, you know, move on. Okay. Maybe you do that sixth season for the fans. For the fans. Do that sixth yeah. season. Yeah. For the yeah. fans, just because they, they they raised some money. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Kickstarter. They mm-hmm. did the Twitter campaign. To they all did a the Twitter campaign. Mm-hmm. They did all the stuff to make it stay. So if even that last one. To, if we have to jump to Netflix for the last season, so be it. That's an entire season of throwbacks from the first three seasons. Exactly. Um, I just, I also, I just want to, I want to humbly brag on Tracy Towns for a second because she went to Juilliard. Quit being so humble. <laughs> I mean, like, she went to Juilliard. Yeah, I've been, just, I've been by there. I've been by there. She went there. <laughs> wow. I went there. That's, that's, that's I, super. I sometimes can't believe I went there. Oh. Really? Yeah. I can. I've heard you sing. I, well, yeah, but, but Ju- I went to Juilliard for acting and not singing because you can't do both there. There's really? no musical theater program there. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so you have to pick one. And singing so, is like opera singing. Yeah, exactly. It's classical training. So like Audra McDonald went to Juilliard for singing, for opera, for classical voice. Interesting. You know, even though she does musical theater, her whole career is mostly musical theater. She had to pick one. Yeah. 
Well, it makes sense because Mellon, you can do both. Mm -hmm. You can do both, right? Yeah, yeah, we know people went to Carnegie Mellon and did both. But I feel like um, that makes sense that Juilliard is uh, classically training, and you have to pick one because, and then people go on to do musicals because musicals are. Uh, a full-on athletic sport like your voice really I, I don't know how you can maintain that they really are and I've never even my musical runs on Broadway like with Rent and Falsettos Falsettos was 14 weeks good god and which is long That's but long. Rent, I only did Rent for five weeks and when I tell you I was limp I was limping I'm crawling like yeah. army crawling through it because it really is a sport you have to train for you have to be in shape for it well mentally emotionally vocally physically in every way and people don't really get that about it they think it's just fun and falsettos you know i i don't i didn't see your production of it but at what i have seen of it it is a single tier stage where rent you basically climb the walls of the of the theater it's like four yeah but falsetto the way we did it there were these blocks that we moved around you had to climb the blocks so you still had to climb things we had these and and then we had to move it we had to pick them up and move them around and then climb on them you know what that sounds like that actually sounds like that actually sounds like um what what like a kid's play place it really was and most of us were over 40 (laughs) (laughs) but i also want to point out like it's not just the run that's not just 14 weeks but you also did rehearsals and tech and like i mean like you're talking like right i don't know yeah like one day i got to rehearsal i got i I was called because i'm only the second act of falsettos and i got to rehearsal and the 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 people who were in the whole show had been rehearsing already so I got there, I was like, how's it been going this morning? And Brandon Uranowitz, who ended up being nominated for Tony Ford, is like, oh, it's just bleeding, cords, cords are bleeding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh, oh I just hear bleeding in the morning. It's fine. You're just singing full out at 10 a.m. <laughs> you know, you have that morning voice for a while when you wake up. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready at rehearsal at 10 a.m. to like squelch scr- to the top of your range. Yeah, there's no there's no saving it for showtime. No, there's not because then what, what's what's happening is you're conditioning your voice right. for eight shows a week when you're doing that. So you have to just kind of go for it, and you will fail like two weeks in. I'm always like I have no voice two weeks in because like anything, you're getting when you start working out, you're sore for a while. The things start to break down and they build up, um, and it's really it's really oh, it's brutal. It's great. It's really rewarding once you're there. Once you're yeah. there, you're in the run, and you're and you're primed for it by then. But the the process to get there is it's it's physically, emotionally, and it's exhausting. And what do you do for? Um, I've always been curious. What you do? You drink like water with oil in it. Like what are you doing for like your charcoal? Well, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Um, there's lots of steaming your voice. Okay. Usually. Um, there are products that are good for coating your throat, protecting it. Like, uh, there's this thing called Singer Saving Grace that you can buy from like holistic stores, but that's a little bit harsh. Mm. Um, there's entertainment, entertainer secrets, this thing called entertainer secrets, a white bottle has tucks on it. Looks like a white bottle with a, a tux. Sounds like something you'd buy okay. in a sex shop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you can go to like, you know, um, like places that have things for the voice and you spray it. It's a glycerin. Just, it just coats your throat. You yeah. have pet seals you can suck on. You have this all this, there's a whole 
uh, there's a, a tea called throat coat. Yeah, yes. I know the throat yeah, coat. we've we've had that before over here. Yeah, honey, you know that um, it was called honey laquat for a long time, but honey laquat went out of business, and now there's another one that I cannot pronounce, so I won't. It's Asian, you know. It's a little bottle with like with like a red label. I think uh -huh. I know which one you're talking about. I think I yeah. The last one's like Koa, something Koa or whatever. But you can buy that, and that's really good for your voice. And so there are all these tinctures. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's it's you know the the more Broadway people we talk to on the show, the more I'm just like. And art should be like an Olympic awarded sport. You need more than the no, Tonys. Yeah. Because you're <laughs> you're in the business of making it look effortless. Effortless. Right, I know. And the Olympics, they like look like they're giving it everything. I know. And you and, are, but in a safe way that you can do it again the next night. Exactly. And yeah, but yeah, you have to you have to mask how much you're putting into it unless yeah. you're Jean Valjean. Unless you're Jean Valjean. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. On that Jean Valjean note, football takes a So, I have a question. Uh, I, I was I was trying to segue before, but you know, I'm gonna throw that segue in the toilet and come I back to it, it later. Yeah. Um, so, you when you were at Juilliard, is that when you were working in the scene shop? Yes. Yes. I too worked in the scene shop. Oh wait, no, you did something better than me. You worked in the scene shop. I actually was a carpenter for the entire school. Oh. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, we, like just you were repaired, like we repaired the school. Okay. And That's yeah, exciting. Shop, but I've done scene shop work as well. I did. I did that um, in my uh, high school. I went to Baltimore School for the Arts. And in Baltimore, and we had like shop scene, got scene shop. So I did all that stuff too, making flats and spattering, and yeah, we did that in my high school too. Building scene, building sets. Now, it was I, great. I have a question because you had the experience of working in the scene shop and then working as a real carpenter. I always just threw it around and told people I worked as a carpenter. Was I full of shit, or did I actually no. have no? No, no, you weren't. You weren't. You weren't full of shit because like. If you're building stairs that people have to walk up and yeah. down every day, eight shows a week, mm -hmm. those are stairs. They got to be the code. Those are actually those are actually stairs. Yeah, you know, you know so right. no, you were not full of shit. Okay, all right. Thank God. <laughs> there was that one moment you were full of shit when you tried to get out of taking a final because you said you were the carpenter in the scene shop and you drove a nail through your hand and therefore couldn't take, and it was just all stage makeup. You're conflating two stories. Oh, okay. Well, it sounded good. No, I, the, the, the yeah. scene shop injury was legitimate. I ran my hand over a table saw and that was the end of my scene shop career. <laughs> 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 maybe he wasn't uh, a real carpenter maybe he wasn't his hand is fine oh yeah it's totally there. there don't worry Our, <laughs> the good news is i was cutting luon so the blade was very very low oh okay i wasn't cutting like three inch, you know three quarters it, was, it wasn't all full it yeah wasn't yeah full. Nah, nah. but they were definitely like you're fired hey Sorry, boss. No, I'm glad it's yours and not ours this time. I say Ooh. and I say, I say that and I mean it with so much kindness because when it's ours, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my god, I'm sorry, you're a guest, and here's my dog, like yeah. unable to to. 
be maintained. And then you see us get angry at animals, and it's just <laughs> I start throwing them around. It's an ugly look on us. You saw me snatch this one. This one isn't—he isn't even mine. Nah, he's a rental. <laughs> So but anyway okay so where were we we were on we um, were in, we were in to be a real carpenter even though so you're a you were yeah you were a painter and a carpenter at juilliard for the school yeah, these, were two, these were two separate summers okay so um, were you paying you you don't pay tuition at juilliard you're sponsored i don't know what they do now before when i was there you paid tuition okay so you did okay so <laughs> <laughs> so you were like, I'm, I'm gonna get a job as a painter on campus. I had on, on campus jobs too in at school, and I got I had to work in the cafeteria, and then I finally got to move into the computer labs, which don't exist anymore. So those poor people who don't get computer lab jobs, but because um, yeah. that was an easy gig. But right. how do you end up as a painter and carpenter at Juilliard? Well, how did I end up as a carpenter? <laughs> Oh, I don't remember how this job came up, but it was between like my first and second year or my second and third year. It's four years, four year program. Yeah. Um, the painting job was for sure between my third and fourth year. Um, were you painting rooms? Like we're painting the we're painting the the room. The, the do they school. have dorm rooms at Juilliard? They do. We were we weren't painting those. Oh, okay. We were painting the actual school, like the got it. And this was the know. summer, so this was like refreshing it between. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just white, you know. We didn't have to do like super lining work and whatever. It wasn't super detailed. It was just like slap white paint was this, on the walls. Was this this, this was before the big renovation they did about? Well, now it's like more than a decade ago, but yeah, it was before that. Yeah, it was when there was still like that that plaza on top of over over sixty fifth Street. Yeah, yeah, that that walk over. Yeah, that's so I knew what happened. They were like, "Hello, Juilliard is dying. It's debilitated buildings. So we're going to hire some students to come paint and put nails yeah. in." It's yeah, yeah. We were really paint. We were painting and uh, and filling in the holes in the floor. So what happened? Putting is holes in the floor. Students, students. opera singers, tap dancers, tap, <laughs> tap dancers. dancers, the dang um, tap yeah, dancers. So there's... I learned all this, all these weird <laughs> skills on how to fill holes. And you just put the stuff, you know, shellac yeah. the stuff in it and like smooth it over. And they put new floors in. They rolled new rubber across the floor. I'm going to tell know, you something. It. I um, a few years ago had the opportunity to do some some work in my mother's apartment in New York. Oh my god! And that was when I discovered that New York carpentry work. Uh, is unlike anywhere else in the world. You don't use the same materials. You don't use the same approach. Um, you know, I mean, here in LA, if you've got a hole in your floor, you're going to fill it with some wood putty. Mm -hmm. In New York, you just, you, I mean, like you said, there's there, just, it's different for some reason. They just do things. It's whatever you have. The stuff we have was like white <laughs> or it's like jelly, some kind of gelatin thing that hardened yeah. eventually. But but literally that's what we're doing, like <laughs> laying on the floor, filling holes, listening to a little radio in the corner. Were you? And that was the year that that Bills 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 came out by <laughs> by Destiny's Child, uh -huh. because literally every third song was "Can you pay my bill? Can you pay my telephone bill? Can you pay my bill?" Because somebody was listening to Z One Hundred. 
Yes, constant. <laughs> it was constant. That one and some Missy Elliott song. And it was like Hot Boys was out. It was between Bills, 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 and Hot Boys. <laughs> oh my God. And were you, yeah. were you doing it eight hours a day and auditioning in the city? I mean, like, were you, how would no, that? No, this was in the summer between, between school. So no, I wasn't auditioning for things. I was just going to build things and fix things. Dude. At Juilliard summer. So you were like, all right. I'm yeah, just here. Like, like building, like shelving thing. It was, it was crazy. Dude, when I do those kinds of jobs, I have to know, like, at the end of it, there's, like, an improv show or, like, I'm doing it for this thing at the end of each week or the end of yeah, each Yeah, no. No, it wasn't any of that. It was just, we got paid yeah. over the summer. Which is good. Yeah. And then during the school year, we usher, I would usher the shows. So we yeah. all worked as ushers. I just so hanging out programs, you know, all that stuff. Was that paid or was that like required as part of the curriculum? No, we did that for, you got paid for it. Oh, oh. You had to sign up for it and get paid for it. All right. Um, And then the summer, not the summer, sorry, um, the winter of one year, maybe my first or second year, I worked at the Gap for their holiday. (laughs) That that, that Gap once on 60. Seventh Street. Remember that gap? Wait, that is was that the one there? your brother? That, no, it's the one in my dad's building. That oh you yeah. Know. So that my one dad, t- uh, NYU. My dad, for the last ten years of his life, lived in the building that the Gap is in. Oh, yeah, so that building. I spent like, a lot of time. Home was on the corner, like Gracious yep. Home, and the Gap in the movie theater right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked at that Gap. One. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Any questions? I was the host person. So I worked, I used to get those Christmas jobs too. I did Abercrombie and I did like Bath and Body Works one Christmas, but Abercrombie is the one that sticks out to me because um, they made me buy their clothes before I could work there. I had to buy enough things that I, it was a requirement of like two tops and one pair of pants, but I had to wear that every time I worked there. Yeah. They gave you like 50% off those three things. Yeah. The Gap was the same. We had to wear Gap clothes to work there. Yeah. You have to, and you have to buy them, and you have, you have to buy them before them. you get a paycheck. Yeah, before you get you a paycheck, them. they're like buy our clothes. You know what? It's mm-hmm. a little MLME now that I think about it. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. a little teeny just a, bit. Just a scotch. <laughs> I mean, I know. was like, "Where's the discount section?" And then was like, "Does the employee discount count for the discount section?" Right, and it did, and that's so. you know. So I, I wore. Bought, I bought a shirt for four dollars. Yes, and wore it. Every, Every other day. day. Yep. <laughs> Ill-fitted or not, I did not care. I was just there for a paycheck, and they hired. I only ever had one ho- like seasonal holiday job, and that was at Pier One, um, which, you know, for what it's worth, it really, I really you worked there for the holidays. I got hired. No, I worked there a little longer, but um, but basically through the holidays. That was your only retail job. Yeah. Oh my God. I've had so wow. many retail jobs. Do you, wow. Do you, did you not hear? I grew up on 67th Street. You know what? Let's talk about that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we don't need to. Also, Which I grew Pier up on 67th one? Street. Did you work at? Hmm? Which Pier One? In Studio City. Out here. Oh, I'm here you worked. Okay. Yeah. Right after, after USC. That was my first job. I loved 
that Pier 1. Me too. So many things in this house came from that Pier 1. Did they close too? Did all, oh. all the Pier 1s closed. Dang. I would go to, I'm, I'm kind of like equidistant from the one on Sunset. Is that Sunset or Hollywood? Hollywood Boulevard, right. So that one and the Studio City one, I'm kind of equidistant from. They live in Los Feliz, but the Studio City one. I 10 was times out of 10, Studio City. I worked I at spend so much time in that Pier One. Oh. It's great. I love I, I worked at Pier One when they still sold clothes. Do you guys remember? Did you ever go uh, to no. when they sold clothing? Yes. Mm -mm. Clothing from India. And I was in the Renaissance Festival in Michigan. So this was when I was in high school. So I bought my entire my peasant top and my big skirt for the Renaissance Festival from Pier One when they sold clothing. I'm going back in my brain and now I'm remembering. This is back in the day when Pier One sold mostly like wicker stuff. Oh, yeah. Wicker and clothing, yes. Everything was wicker. And earrings lot. and bags, like, you know, intricately sewn bags. So it's like kind of world market. You know, yeah. world market has kinds of like that. Yes. Yeah. They filled that gap and they filled it yeah. at a lower price point. And I think that it was all wicker all the time. Oh, uh, we all I bought a lot of white wicker from Pier One. Where did yeah. you put it? In the Hamptons house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tracy, I don't want to be associated with this. <laughs> oh. In the Hamptons house. Okay. In the Hamptons house. We had the we had the we there was an immediate need for a great deal of white wicker. Listen. Yeah, it would, you would need that. That's, uh -huh. that's, that's where barely, all the white wicker goes. I can't even imagine that they had enough white wicker in stock. Admittedly, we did have to special order some some yes, white wicker. We, we took what they had and, and waited for more to come in. I drove yeah. by their Hamptons house after they had sold it. And it was quite... Um, I'm one of those families that fell, fell from grace. But... <laughs> 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 almost had it all at one point and then so yeah yeah <laughs> you know i'm like the 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 really sad sequel follow-up series to succession <laughs> damn it your first wife got to experience it all and then i had to get everything after yeah no. anyways moving on <laughs> let's have a toast to that <laughs> you got okay. the best of what's left I got the real. Okay, but seriously, so you graduate from Juilliard, you stay in New York. Oh no, wait, before you graduate, you were doing radio ads for your school and were they paying you for those? Yes, I did get paid for those. That's so those are on the radio. Oh my God, yeah. I did stuff like that from USC for free. No, it was a little job that I had that I was like, tonight, Shostakovich and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Really dumb. Yes. <laughs> yes. Rachmaninoff, Shostakovich, Mozart, Beethoven, <laughs> all tonight at blah, 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 blah. Listen, tune in. It was ridiculous. And this was like, boom. That's and awesome, though, because no, it was really fun. It was really fun. But yeah. it's so weird because I think about it now because, you know, I have this like voiceover agent as we all, you know, figure yeah. out ways to like find things to do. I have this voiceover agent and I don't ever go in for announcer stuff. It's always like, you know, oh my God, I can't believe the sandwich is only $5.99. You know, right. <laughs> I think I think I've heard that subway commercial. I <laughs> know. Uh, $5.99. That's no. hilarious. Yeah. I don't go in, I don't go in for the like, your car is your life. You know, I don't go in for that stuff. Which do you have you done any? 
I'm so sorry. Why don't I know this? Did you have you done any animation? Just during COVID, I started doing animation. I've been trying to do animation for years. Because that's the hardest one to bust into. It's really hard to bust into. And they're like, because, you know, you don't age out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, they have their people. Like, that's it. They just call them the same 20 people all the time. Yes. They have their people. And those people don't. It takes a very long time for your voice to age. Yeah. Until you sound like a different person, yeah. you know, so it's a very small pool of people. And what I'm appreciate, uh, appreciative about is that when I finally got reps out here for voiceovers, they were like, listen, it takes a very, very long time. Do not get discouraged. Just keep coming in because it's a very small pool of people and it's, t- and it's, it's a tight knit family. Tight. And it mm-hmm. takes a very long time to get in there. Yeah. But this summer, well, last summer now, you know, um, I finally did a couple of family guys. Nice. A couple of family guys. I was like, yes, I'll do some family guys. Hell yeah. I also sort of feel like you should be playing yourself on Family Guy. You're Tracy Toms. Like, I mean, they have that. Well, yeah, but the the, <laughs> the character I played on Family Guy was offered to Carrie Washington and she and oh and I, oh, Perry. I got the floppy seconds i'm like i'll take them stupid i'll take it i'll take it what's carrie doing why can't you i'm doing it i love a sloppy second bring your 5.99 sandwich and scoop it up i know right i'm happy to do it i love it that's awesome i have no to- i love it and it came but i brought me back and did a couple other characters on family guy for that um and yeah yeah it's it's fun and weird but fun and now you're in and now I'm kind of, I have a toe in. I'm toeing. Yeah. I have a toe. You make it like, you know, like a, like a grippy toe. But I want to. Yeah, a grippy toe. It's, a, <laughs> it's kind of like a, either the big toe or the next toe. It's not like yeah. a pinky toe. No, pinky toe's got no grip. That, that... There's no grip. There's no power. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like Family Guy is the place where like you do something right and you see like the same name come up that plays multiple characters regularly. Yeah. I'm behind two yeah. seasons, I feel like, but you're in, you're in. I yeah, but also fun fact on American Dads, I think it's American Dads. Mm-hmm. American Dads, they did a spoof where um, one of the characters just always wanted to be in a Broadway musical and ran into the theater and it was Rent. And it was fully me on stage singing. So you did do Tracy Thomas. They drew me. You know, this is years and years and years ago. But and you didn't voice it? No, no. I didn't voice it. It was all of us. It was it was it was seasons of love, all of us standing there. But they, you know, they kind of like did a close-up of mm-hmm. me of me, my outfit, my yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. Um, flattering. Also, could throw me a bone and let me have a line playing me. Have a line and like sing a little bit. It was a it was like during the their version of five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes. So it was a group number. Everybody was singing together. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no soloist, but but they yeah. drew me the turtleneck. The thing. <laughs> I solo that song a lot, and Jason Bieber's like, "Stop! You're doing it wrong. Don't solo that." So that song is really hard. <laughs> it's <Yep>. really high. <laughs> yep. I've really? been butchering it for a long time. I, I butcher it these days way more often than I nail it. I'm, every time I'm like, is this the key? 
<laughs> no, this is higher, right? No, this is, oh, okay. So this is the key I sang it in 15 years ago. Oh, can we take it down? <laughs> can, we, can we take it down? But I'm like, no, I can't take it down because the fans will kill me. I'm like, 525,000. They're like, no, I'm getting death did you get did you get rent right after you left Juilliard? No. That's no. no. What's the trend? No. Because no. you did the movie. You went the movie was in 2006. The movie was in 2005, but we shot we shot it. I I booked the movie in 2004. Okay. Okay. In October of 2004. Um, and then we started rehearsals in November. And then we rehearsed, rehearsed, rehearsed. We recorded it in January, the, the soundtrack, the music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Recorded the, the soundtrack in like January. Um, and then we started shooting in March, late February, March. We started shooting in New York. And then we shot most of it in San Francisco. And then we did a week in LA at the end of 2005. And it came out Thanksgiving weekend of 2005 okay but i came out of juilliard in 2001 so but you started booking immediately when you came out right kind of i mean yeah uh yeah i so i graduated 20 years ago i cannot believe that oh, 20 years ago um it was yesterday job, me too by the way um my first job out of school was i did a movie <laughs> called everyone's depressed a tiny independent movie that I, I don't, I mean, you know. I'm writing it down. You know how in, independent movies are? There, yes. there, are things in there, there are things in there that are great and things that are like, oh. Yes. That's the choice. You know. Yeah. Um, no one's heard of that movie and I'll leave it at that. Um, and I did like a, a, an Excedrin commercial that was a big deal awesome. for me. You know, those Excedrin commercials back in the day, they were very intense. And they but pay like, your bills. When I have a headache. And blah, blah, you know, whatever. I remember because it was like a profile and then it would have like a black screen on one side and then the person after they told their story would be here and it would it was like that 70s thing where they like put your image, you know, the like shadow image mm -hmm. almost. Was super, they were super intense. And it was green like the bottle. Yeah, it was super intense. Instead of commercial, I was a teacher. I was a teacher and I was talking about how I have a headache at the end of the day dealing with these kids, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I was like, uh, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, some kid brought me an apple. See, some kid brought me an apple. I was like, thank you. I think I remember. <laughs> this. I think I remember. But this one. being a teacher, you know, days are long or whatever. And but when I have a headache, but it was so crazy because it was just me and some student, some kid. And I remember pulling up and seeing the lights and stuff, the set, and I was like. My God, this is all. I'm just the only person in this commercial. So you did etc. That commercial never comes up. No one ever is like, "This is Tracy on a commercial," and, and no one ever tweets it to me. I, I have not seen that commercial. I'll tweet it to you right after this. In a million years, and I will laugh and laugh and laugh. It's I'm about to come back around. It's about to come like, around. And it's so funny to think about, like weird, weirdly, like black women specifically. We go right. We come out of school and we're right into like super adult roles. That is. Don't get, I don't, yeah. I, and I skipped over like young ingenue stuff. We skip over that. I come out of school and I'm like a teacher. Right. 
a cup. Yeah. Well, that's okay because we're pushing you into ingenue role with our. <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it. Well, like I want straight into like cops and like. It's true. Teachers and nurses and things like that. I'm like, I'm only 25. Yeah. And I look 12. I look really young. Yeah. I mean, um, but you know, like, like you, you, you're like, I'll love, I love the work and I'll take it. And, yeah. and, and, but yeah, part I'm of sure. you, I'm sure is like mourning yeah, the loss. Like <laughs> I mean, I, I did like when I was at Juilliard, you know, I did um one of the years, but I wasn't being a carpenter or a painter. <laughs> right. I went to, I did summer stock at Chautauqua and upstate New York yeah. and got to play Juliet. And it was so fun to play a young person. You I know, at Juilliard, what happens is like you have this ensemble, um, and you, have a, you know, you have a group and there are some people in the group who always play the kids. Some mm -hmm. people in the group will always play the ingenues and you have some people in the group will always play the parents. You know, and because I was a grad student at the, you know, the time I think, you know, the undergrads and the grads are together. So we had, we had girls in my class who were 17, you know, 18 and I was 22 because I went to Howard University first. Um, so I was destined to play the moms. I was like mom all the time. Um, but in between in that summer, and this was a, a program that Juilliard was affiliated with, you know, one of my teachers, Becky Guy, fought for me to be Juliet. She was like, let's, let's have Tracy play Juliet. Um, and it was like so much fun to do like that kind of thing, you know, to, to do, to, to, to be vulnerable in that way, not authoritative. I'm like, I'm always like an authority figure yeah. kind of thing. I'm always like, and I was like, I want to be that chick who's like the principal and everything, or like the judge or the, they put black women in those roles all the time. There's always some black lady judge, like <laughs> raining down authority and sentences on people. Um, it's, it's true. I've often watched shows and I, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, why it's, it's not the bad guy role. Like we say bad guy, but it's like the, mm -hmm. the authoritative bad guy role where it's like, yeah. why do you always have to play the figure that is laying down the law or making a statement like yeah. a parental bad guy. Yeah, why can't you, why, why can't yeah. artists be just the normal person the in person. the show? Yeah. <laughs> why, or like, why can't it be like, there's like a stigma about it and it's not your job to explain this to us or our listeners or like, or, but you know. But we are talking. About but we are talking about it, but there is. It's like, where's the normalcy in well, yeah, one of my first interviews when I got my first TV show was As If in 2002. We lasted two episodes on the on the UPN. Um, but I did an interview with them. Then I said, I just want to I want to tell stories about people who happen to be black mm -hmm. and not stories about black people. Yeah. And there's yes. a difference, you know, and there's a difference. I, I never want to negate. The fact that I'm a black woman. You look at me, I'm a black woman. I love it. I love that part of myself. And I love um I love being a black woman. And I, I love even the challenge, the challenges that come with it. But I want to tell people about comp uh, tell stories. Sorry, I want to tell stories about complex people who happen to be black because we deal with all the stuff the white people deal with, plus racism. <laughs> yeah. Right. Humanity why, plus racism. Number one, why wouldn't plus you deal racism, with what every human being deals with? And then on top of it, yes, racism. Like, yeah. but that's the biggest question all the time is, 
why wouldn't people of color, any person of color, not be a normal human being living a normal existence layered with, you know, trauma and racism and trauma that comes with, you know, like all of that. But yeah, why aren't we seeing that normalcy plus how the, how do I say it? How the feelings are uh, so layered, right? There's, they're just, it's just another layer. That's interesting. Yeah. That's compelling. No, it is. It is, but a lot of people don't trust. If you're not a Black person, you don't trust yourself to write that, right? Mm -hmm. You just just write what Black people are to you, right? So, you know, the, the good thing about my training is that I went to Howard University, and then I went to Juilliard. Yeah. Right? So I studied uh, at Howard University, uh, theater history starts in Africa. It starts before Greek, right? So every yeah. other theater program is like theater history starts with Greeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my experience. Right. So, but the but the Greeks traded with the Northern Af- Africans, and the, and the Africans had these festivals where they acted out all this stuff with masks and things like that, and that's where the Greeks got it from. But nobody mm. talks about that. You know what I mean? Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the, like the Igugun festival. Uh, the Yorubas have the Igugun festival. Nobody talks about that in regular schools. You know, you have to go to a black school to learn that, which is fucked up. Happy yeah. Black History Month, right? Um, and that's kind of where they got some of the ideas. And they traded ideas back and forth, of course. Um, but, you know, you learn those things. You learn your place in history, all kinds of history. That's why it's great to go to a historically black college or university. Um, So I went to Juilliard with that knowledge already, Um, but it's very difficult, you know, but but also what we learned at Howard were all the stereotypes, the historical stereotypes of black characters in media, right? Yeah. So, we learned about like the mammy characters, the step and fetch characters and where they all came from and how they started, where they started um, and how basically um, entertainment has stripped us of our humanity and just shown us in ways that white, that, 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 that help white people. So you have like your brute Negro mm-hmm. that now over time has become your thug, your gang member, your whatever, yeah. that guy. But that guy has existed in entertainment since slavery. The brute Negro, the big dude, the thug guy. We still have that guy. The mammy took care of everybody and took care of mostly white people over her own children. Her own children went around dirty, but she took care of the master's children, right? So now that character still exists, but she's the best friend. She's the secretary. She's the voice of reason. She's always taking care of the white lady who doesn't know what she's doing. And she grows through time and age. You know, when she's young, she's just the best friend. Yeah. Older, she's the assistant that, you know, and then she becomes like the authority figure, the judge, the whatever, but she's still like this maternal, I take care of you character, the principal, the whatever. It's because black women are seen as maternal because we actually have taken care of all children of America. Right. And we still do. We still do. You, know, you look at like even all these protests and wherever these protests are not started by black men. Those protests are started by black women. Like, please stop killing our sons and our husbands or whatever. All these, all these protests are started by black women. And that's why you have all this movement 
uh, language about trust black women because black women are like we're gonna vote for the person who's morally <laughs> sound right vote for who we vote for 98 percent of us are gonna vote for biden right just you know go with and us like, oh my God, how do we get her how did trump was gonna listen to us because we're always our moral compass is like, whatever because i mean because we have been that heartbeat of America, because we have to take care of our children and our husbands, and um, and then we also have to take care of white people. We got to take care of their kids and their husbands often, right? <laughs> we'll talk about that thing, but but yeah. So because that's our relationship to white people, that's how white people write us. Mm -hmm. If you keep letting white people write us, that's how they're going to write us. Right. And right. I was going to say something controversial, but I'm going to say it anyways. And writing rooms are still white men. Yep. <laughs> I don't think that's controversial. I, I mean, think that's, that's just what not, it is. Well, it's controversial to me because I'm irritated. But it, overall, writing rooms are still white men. They and are because of this whole idea of access, right? Yeah. So people are like, well, you, well, Black women don't have the credentials. They don't have the experience. So we can't have the experience if we don't have the access. Right. right. So it's all like a circle of ridiculousness. Right. Yeah, so, there's anyway. no point of entry. There's no point of entry. It's very hard. And it's like when one person succeeds, it's like, oh, and that's it. Oh, yeah, you did it. This person did it. Good. See, racism We're is done. over, guys. She did it. We're mm -hmm. done. We're done. Racism <laughs> is over. We're done. Now we go back to hiring more white men. Stop the podcast. We've solved it. <laughs> It's like, honestly, it wouldn't, I don't know how to say this. I'm going to try to say this correctly. Listen, one person like Shonda Rhimes is so talented and great. And we love her shows. She shouldn't be the only person that we love. It should, we shouldn't just be accolading one person. It should be the norm and not the abnorm. Does yeah. that make sense? Am I saying no, that correctly? For sure. <laughs> for sure. Because people think that um, diversity means having a couple of people of color. Mm -hmm. Right. No, you have all these white guys and like two, uh, two black women, one black guy, one Asian, one gay guy. And one woman over 50. And one woman over 50. We're done. We did it. We're done. Gotcha. We still have 19 white guys, though. Is that? That <laughs> feels sometimes, low. Oh, but white men now, I found out, you know, they have to have a diversity hire for white men. They have to have a white guy over 60 on, in every room. Because ageism is a thing. Because of ageism. But that, so it's like, you could have anybody over 60. It doesn't no, have to, it has be, a to white be a white guy. guy. It has to be a white guy. I want to say this something. We've been wait. doing a, a Black History Month series. This is where at mm -hmm. the end of it. And I don't think this episode's even going to make it in just because of. We've well, been, we're extending Black History. It's going to last it's, for it's, the rest it's a, of the year. It's, well, it's almost Thank it's you. two, three yeah. months. I mean, we have a very diverse show, in our opinion, but we are going to continue with Black History for as I mean, people keep wanting to do it so it's just going to keep going yeah but the, because black yeah, history because should have gotten the shortest month of the year and the point that i wanted to make is that this is the first like conversation that we've gotten really in depth about not just black history but where black people have you know how, how what it means to be black in hollywood in entertainment and entertainment and also because this show focuses on people who are 
trying to get into entertainment and those who are already in it, but at the time of their lives when they were trying to get into entertainment, what that meant to be a black person trying to bust in. Well, yeah, you know, and it's funny because people always are asking me like, so when did you know you wanted to be an actress or whatever? I'm like, I didn't because there was nobody who looked like me mm-hmm. other than the Cosby show. There was no path for me to follow. There was nobody like me, you know, and people yeah. who like knew me back in the day, my, one of my, my second series I got ever was Wonderfalls. And Todd Holland was like, you're like Sandra Bullock, but you're black and that it's going to make you not Sandra Bullock and it's not fair. You know, you're like, you're like serious, but funny, but like in a kind of a serious way, um, attractive, but not like beauty queen. But if I was a white chick, I'd be like, you know, Reese Witherspoon or something, you know what I mean? But because I'm not like the, the black girls who were like the love interests were always like ex models. They're gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm like, I look like somebody, you know, like I'm, not an ogre, but, but Tracy's but I'm quite like, beautiful. But you all know that. No, they, but yeah, that I wasn't. I, I, I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. But I have very much a girl next door quality exactly. when I was younger. Um, and and for white people, girl next door is the one who gets the guy. Mm-hmm. In other stories, bitch, like like for example, this is a bad example because boomerang, I think, really gets it right. In a lot of ways, Boomerang is one of our, our shining examples of people who happen to be black telling a story. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the girl next door girl was Halle Berry. Was right. the girl next door girl? <laughs> <laughs> they tried to put her like some frumpy clothes. I'm like, she's Halle Berry, you guys. Yeah. She's still Halle Berry. You know, yeah. Robin Givens is like the, you know, the vampy chick. You know what I mean? And she's the obvious, but Halle Berry. Yeah, you know, um, so girls who were kind of like uh, plainer or just you know familiar looking, we didn't get a shot. So I was shuffled over in a cop land, which I love playing cops. Uh, you know, but they're fun. But you know, what I mean, but I was like, why? Why am I over here? You know, because there was no there was no slot for the black girl who looks like somebody you know. You were the best friend or you're the cop. So my whole career in the beginning was like. Best friend, cop, lesbian. Excedrin teacher with a headache. Except right. for that one time I had a teacher that when I was still taking care of a little white kid who was my yeah. I just thought, I just, <laughs> yes. I'm going to loop it back, you guys, for a minute so that we can laugh again for one second. got to go back to like our- Here's my segue. You ready for really, this? Yeah, really political. And, and, I, and I think it's moment. okay. I it's think okay. you guys can like edit it however you want to edit it. Make edit that, that political time. stance paper podcast. Listen- Sometimes on this podcast, we go where the conversation goes. Yeah. And that is what it is, you know? It is what it is. And sometimes people need to just talk things out. And I think like right now, it's just that time where everybody needs to talk things out because it just like, it's- This has been happening almost like every- podcast ig story that's we're like yeah let's talk about like about therapy Mm -hmm. about therapy and um acting and we ended up having a whole like racism conversation (laughs) and i was like well we're normalizing talking about race we're normalizing talking about race because i think for a long time that it was not normalized it was like um we don't call we don't call black people black people we don't call 
people of color. We don't call people gay. We don't call people queer. Like there was so much stigma about even saying words. Oh, the best. And I'm so glad that we're erasing this now is, um, I don't see color. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I had to talk to a couple of my friends about that because people like I have black friends. I'm like, you don't have black friends, you know, black people. It's not the same thing. You there's a, there's a black guy at your job. Right. You know, you don't, he's not your friend. Mm-hmm. Like, what's his mother's name? What are his kids' name? What's his wife's name? No, you don't know. It's not your friends. It's just somebody you know. So you're just doing that. Like, I know black people, blah, 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 blah. They let me call them the N-word all the time. <gasps> they let me joke around with them. I know they're my friends. I'm like, what's what's his wife's name? What are his, what are, where do his kids go to school? You don't, you don't know him. He's just trying to lose his job, which is why he's letting you do it. <laughs> Oh my God. You know nothing about him for real. Where's he from? Where's parents from? You don't know him. Mm-hmm. You know, he just serves you and serves your idea of yourself. Right. So, it, and it's difficult because there's so much distrust between white people, black people. So it's very difficult sometimes to like really get to know each other yeah. in a way that's not um, exploiting each other for your own needs. With this conversation, you have consistently worked. I mean, I think that's the thing that we see is that you were talented enough. You had the right um, uh, the right attitude in this in this career, right? You mm-hmm. made an impression on uh, uh, casting and agencies because you have worked nonstop since you graduated. And I think that well, go ahead, sorry. Well, yeah, I think uh, part of that is, is uh, friends of mine always call me like logic brain Tracy. I look at everything very like um, like logically and like straightforward rather than artists tend to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'm not emotional, but I'm less emotional than most of my artist friends. So I just look at the business as a business. I'm like, okay, listen, this is how it works. Now I could say things are personal. They don't like me because of this, that, and the other. Um, Generally speaking, usually it's not personal. It's like, what sells? What, what, what can I sell? What's the product? Um, how do I fit in? And a lot of people coming out of school, I was like, oh, listen, okay. So, so there's clearly a box I can get in. There's, a, there's the, the black girl box, right? I could refuse to get in that box trying to make my own way. And this was 2001 before- You can't YouTube. make your own way. Yeah, before YouTube, before Instagram, before social media, there was no way to do it. Right. Now you can do it. There was no way to do it then. So I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get all my tools together. I'm going to climb in this box and I'm going to blow it up from the inside. And you did. I'm going to continue to offer different things, continue to try to change the narrative on my end. Um. But I know people are like, I'm not getting that box at all. I'm gonna go this way. I'm like, that's gonna be hard for you. So you have to make your own way. You have to like literally pave the road, um, which is way easier now. But I think that's I think it's what happens. I just decided to like play the game enough because I understood it, to understand the game, to play it enough, to stay in the game and make changes where I could. Beaver. I remember our conversation with Tracy being much longer. It was. Join us next week for part two of our incredible interview with star of stage and screen, Tracy Toms. 